Hello, and welcome to On Sacred Ground on the LMC Radio Network, on Blog Talk Radio, broadcasting the voices of the land and of the dead by weaving together history, ethnography, and spiritual experience. We're your co-hosts, Kai Armand. And Paige the Fair You. And if you're tuning in online and having technical issues, remember that you can listen to the show by calling in via your phone or Skype to 657-383-0525. That's 657-383-0525. To those of you who are listening live and are in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com, yes, we do have a chat room at blogtalkradio.com with every show that we do. Welcome, and thanks so much for tuning in. This is our 33rd episode of On Sacred Ground. Again, picking back up where we left off uh, quite a while ago, but um, especially in retrograde season, it is absolutely possible to do that, to pick up where one left off, and we are doing that. We're broadcasting live at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on this April 12, 2017. And in this episode, we'll be talking about what really makes America great again. Love. Including a talk on our current astrological weather, magical tips for saving and savoring that which we do love and cherish, and we'll have a drop-in from a very special deceased guest. This is a call-in show, so if you have any questions, comments, or would like to share some of your stories or ideas on the topic, call in at 657-383-0525. As usual, we're starting off with a selection from Earth Prayers from Around the World, 365 prayers, poems, and invocations for honoring the Earth. And uh, Paige, where does today's selection come to us from? Today's selection comes to us from Ishpriya. O Holy One, I ran through the fields and gathered flowers of a thousand colors, and now I pour them out at your feet. Their beauty and their brightness shout for joy in your presence. You created the flowers of the field and made each one far more lovely than all the skill of man could design. Accept my joy along with theirs, this field of blossoms at your feet. Holy One, as the wind blows through these flowers till they dance in the ecstasy of creation, send your spirit to blow through my being till I too bloom and dance with the fullness of your life. That's a beautiful poem, and I feel like it's totally uh, appropriate for today's topic, On Pleasure, and probably a great segue to today's first song, which is from something that you and I really, 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 really love to the point of obsession, um, Stephen (laughs) Universe. Everybody ready? One, two, three, four.
And that was the song, What Can I Do, from the popular cartoon on the Cartoon Network, Steven Universe. And I don't think, I mean, I mean, frankly, this is my first time being an adult in this lifetime, but I don't think I've ever heard of a cartoon being as popular with adults as this cartoon is. And it's certainly ridiculously popular in our household. Mm-hmm. We, um, Steven Universe is a show about a young boy who is um, sort of half human and half crystal gem. Crystal gem being this sort of extraterrestrial race of all-female um, gems that his, his, his group is working to save the Earth, but not all crystal gems are. And throughout the show, that's revealed, you know, in an ongoing way uh, in these sort of 10-minute episodes, we find out much, you know, more and more of the history of the crystal gems and where they actually come from. You know, he's this sort of 12-year-old boy. Um, he has this memory of his mother um, that's living inside of him because his mother's traits and her own gifts as a crystal gem are coming out through him in this very loving Rose Quartz way. That's, you know, his mother's name is actually Rose Quartz. Um, but his mother's friends who were alive um, while she was alive before she passed on, transformed into him, uh, retained the actual memory of having worked with her and been warriors with her. And um, it's kind of amazing because this show, um, one of the things I read on Wikipedia in the interviews, because it's one of those shows that you just can't not do tons of research about. It. Like, how did this, not only how did this happen, but in a world where we seem so bent on divisiveness and hatred and more divisiveness and corporatism, how is this show allowed to happen? Um, how is this show that is such good medicine and such salve for the soul and such a beautiful educational tool, how is it allowed to happen? And one of the interviews that was done talks about um, how the show is kind of a reverse fantasy idea rather than these fantastical superhero characters, us focusing on their adventures most, um, we're actually focusing most on their attempts to be normal and their attempts to be just in relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things I love most about this show is the way the magical gifts of Stephen as a youth unfold over time as he's moving through the real world and navigating the magical realms that the crystal gems have to navigate as part of their work protecting the earth. I'm, I've consistently been blown away by the accuracy of these fictional, fantastical portrayals of magic and the magical process, learning about your own gifts, how it unfolds over time, how it can be very confusing and uncertain and you don't know what your gifts are, if you even have them, until you enter these moments of great need in which the gifts come out in often unexpected ways, such as the presence of healing saliva rather than healing tears, you know, that magic is not always glamorous or expected, that even though we might have future vision and can see into the future various paths that might 
play out, we can never be certain which of those will happen. And in fact, something might come out of left field that we never expected or foresaw. It's really refreshing to see such realistic fantasy if such a thing can be spoken of. It really is. And it's almost, um, I, I, I want more interviews with the creators because there's the show so organically talks about, uh, talks about relationships um, and upends everything. You know, even in the, um, I, I believe this shows up in the, in the theme, you know, uh, not the theme song, but the theme song video that plays. Um, you know, Stephen later on in the, in the show gets a girlfriend and the girlfriend is being sort of trained by one of his mentors to, to fight. She's not a crystal gem. She's also a young girl like Steven, but because the mentor of Steven considers him to be so precious, um, she's teaching his girlfriend to fight, you know, a bit, it's a bit off, and, you know, we, we, you explore it in the show, but she's teaching him, her to fight for him. You know, she's teaching her, you know, he is so precious, and, you know, much like his mother, we need to protect him. And, you know, through that you explore some of the pain and unresolved wounds that she has around the loss of Stephen's mother, Rose Court. But to, uh, you know, one of the lyrics in that song that they're singing while during that screening sequence, you know, this young woman is saying, you know, I can be his knight. You know, this show is just such incredible medicine, not just for transgender youth and genderqueer youth today, but for everyone because, you know, one of my teachers is uh, one of the reasons she has said gender is how we've been taught we are allowed to handle power. These are the powers that you are allowed. Mm. And if you try to step out of that bound, that's not true. And little girls are not taught you can be a knight. You can be a knight in shining armor to fight for yourself, to fight for the ones you love and the things you love. Um, it's, it, it just really upends so much um, while exploring this sort of um, homophile, sort of lesbian feminist extraterrestrial discourse that, <laughs> is, that is at the same time so grounded and, and beautiful. Um, the discourses about love and all the kinds of relationships that one can have with oneself, with each other, with their gifts, are kind of like endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the increased strength and power that comes from being in right relationship with yourself and others, as we often see exemplified by the character Garnet, who is the permafusion, who is basically an embodied relationship of two beings that love each other so much they have chosen to permanently fuse into a third separate being who is stronger and more powerful because she is the living embodiment of a relationship, of a strong, healthy relationship, and that she gets extra strength and extra sort of special powers from this state of being. It's really, really fantastic. I totally forgot about that. You're so right. You know, there's this idea in the show of fusions, you know, crystal gems, um, which are all their their names are the gems that that they um, are sort of representing the me, the main three crystal gems that we are following in the show along with Stephen who is this 
12-year-old boy, you know, expressing these rose quartz qualities of deep empathy and deep healing and and, and love and in all of its forms and and desire for reconciliation by any and all costs, which sometimes gets in trouble. Um, And then his friends that we're seeing are Garnet, who who, uh, herself is a fusion of two other gems. And then we have Amethyst, who's kind of wild and... Uh, very rebel without a cause, and we sort of explore throughout the show why those traits are there. They're not just innate. They're rooted in her origin story. And then you have Pearl, who is sort of working out this um, highly highly capable, highly adept, but wounded energy. Um, So we've got Amethyst, Garnet, and Pearl. And Garnet is a fusion, and fusions happen throughout the show, but Garnet is sort of this permanent fusion of these two gems that decided that they were going to just stay together. They, that, what, that who they were together was what they wanted to be forever. And mm. forever for these gems is like, you know, forever, <laughs> like thousands of years. And um, mm. the few things that happens about the show that are always showing the truth of relationships, which is that, you know, when two or more are gathered, God is in the midst, that kind of idea, but also, you know, um, things being more than the sum of their parts. And when fusions happen, you know, literally the characters take on gargantuan size. And, you know, you see the traits of the two pieces that came, or more pieces that came together to make them, the, the traits are there, but what you're seeing, the character that they become is obviously so much bigger and more powerful than, um, than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that that speaks also to my, my other favorite outer space story, which is, as we know, Star Trek, a story about how we go out into the galaxy to explore and make contact with new beings and new civilizations. But along the way, we learn that the most fulfilling relationships and the most fulfilling and powerful love is on the ship amongst each other and ourselves. This idea that we can be out there, the sum of our parts being so much greater than our individual pieces and that the greatest love and the power is, is within ourselves, not necessarily to be found in the adventure, in risk or risk's sake, and that that true strength is in our unity, as the Vulcan saying goes, infinite diversity in infinite combinations, and that is where our true strength and power comes from. And speaking of things we love, I um, I really love the chocolate croissant that I just had. It was really delicious. Um, <laughs> I didn't heat mine up, and I think I probably would have liked it more if I had heated mine up. But yours, you heated up, and it smelled really good too. Um, so yeah, we'd love to see the chocolate croissant. We love chocolate croissants. Um, we love pleasure. We love. Um, other things that I love hair, the musical. Um, I think that I've had to, you know, struggle over the past 10 years asking myself, like, can a Broadway musical from the 1970s be a healthy spirit? And I've just arrived at, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, it, Absolutely. <laughs> it just, I don't know, um, when my dad first showed me the musical hair in a movie, which is completely unlike the play, but I am... 
um, pluralistic enough to be able to hold space for both, much like The Wiz, the movie being completely unlike the play, but I'm pluralistic to hold space for both. You know, it's like, it's like holding space for all of the things that someone is. It's like sometimes you're a rock star, sometimes you're an asshole, and I love you just the same. <laughs> That's how I feel about these different iterations of these two musicals. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> And hair, when my dad first showed up to me as a teenager, I, I sometimes think back and I feel bad for him because it's like you just don't know sometimes what you're unleashing on someone's life. I think he just showed it to me. He's like, yeah, I'm going to show my young son, you know, something I thought was kind of cool, kind of interesting, kind of funny when I was a kid. And he didn't know. I, he was literally showing me something that made me go, oh, so school is bullshit and I should do drugs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to go around. And you're right, it is a time to review 
to look at the past, to really work on maybe some of those lessons uh, from our past experiences that we need to fully integrate and understand in order to heal, to move on, to welcome some new energies into our lives. And it's really with, with all the retrogrades piled on, you know, I see a lot of kind of despairing half jokes, half not a joke being made about basically just lying down on the floor and giving up, uh, <laughs> bed for the next <laughs> And while I completely understand the sentiment and the feeling, what this I feel is really medicine for us now is this is a time for patience, for a little bit of caution, for making lists, checking them twice, not a great time for taking big new actions in a, in a new direction, but rather taking the time to consider our long-term goals, our current trajectory, and then making or making plans for any adjustments that need to be made in order to realign our trajectory with the path of your soul's true purpose. So there's a lot of good work to be done here, a lot of good medicine. If you're in areas like me, it can be difficult when you just want to charge ahead to the next new thing. You're kind of, you know, you just want to move on. But uh, there's, there's something to be said for time spent at the way station, refueling, recharging, reconsidering your options, dumping the rocks out of your shoes, getting a new map if yours has been seized by birds and carried off, you know, these kinds of necessary adjustments to our path and our journey that will ultimately help us further down the road when energy starts to move forward again and we've got the green light to go take that big action we've been considering for the last several days or weeks or months or uh, years in some case. I think it's interesting when we talk about the path of self-healing and working on yourself because not only do we live in a culture that tells us, you know, hardly untrue things like, um, like time heals all wounds, and, wrong. And, um, and and things like um, I, I see people sort of tell themselves sometimes, like, well, I've worked through all my shit at wrong. Like, that's just not true, um, especially being someone who is growing up in the West. We in the West are so – in the Western industrial culture are so – we have such horrible – bullshit that doesn't serve life that's ingrained in us from a very early age and just replayed in everything we see and hear all day every day that there's really no way that any of us are going to ever be done with what we're looking at. So mm-hmm. if I think sometimes during this retrograde season we might be like, oh, this shit again? I'm already over this shit. It's like the universe and by the universe, I mean yourself, your own soul, your helping spirits, all of these things put together are saying, obviously you're not. Choose humility and we'll take you further. You know, so often we, we really think that healing happens in a linear line. And there is an element to healing being cyclical. Not saying that it's impossible for us to get over anything in our lives, but truly resolving things, there will always be stuff to work on, and even though it can be frustrating to return to retrograde to a conversation that we feel has already been solved or resolved, or I've worked out my boundary stuff already, i worked out my stuff around leather, and the universe, you know, and we see the same pattern showing up, it can be very much like 
why am I being punished? And it's like, you're not. We're just ready, you know, now it's just time to go deeper into that conversation or to, um, you know, th- these pieces that you missed. You know, you, you swept the rug, but now you got to sweep the corners, you know. Um, mm. And I was actually listening to a sermon on the book of Job just a couple of days ago. It was a, a Midwest a sermon done by a Midwest pastor. And it was great because, you know, the book of Job is a story about uh, – the book of Job isn't great, but <laughs> the book of Job is, is horribly sad. And it's a story of um, this guy who is um, – you know, he, he has so much, and he has a great relationship with his, you know, his helping spirit, Yahweh, and everything's great. He's like, I'm blessed. Yahweh has blessed me. It's all great. Nothing's wrong. And Yahweh sort of meets with, you know, the, um, the, the devil or the serpent or whoever, you know, is the great adversary in the Old Testament. And, the old, you know, this adversary says, yeah, of course Job loves you. You give him everything you want. But if I kick his ass, watch him be like, damn, fuck you, right? And Yahweh's like, no, no, you can, that would never happen. My job is the best, all this, you know, and you can go mess with him, but you can't kill him. And the adversary goes and messes with Job, and all of his riches are gone. His family dies, um, you know, tons of his family members die, his children. And it gets to the point, and, oh, and he has, like, terrible, um, you know, sores over his body. And it gets to the point where even his wife is all, like, yo, you need to just curse Yahweh and die because this is not pretty. And he refuses to do that. And at a certain point, eventually, you know, he he gets, uh, the Old Testament says that he gets all that was his and more back. Um, And the whole purpose of the sermon was to say that, you know, in those moments where we are withstanding suffering, and I think that, you know, you mentioned before, you know, all the memes going around. People are saying, I'm going to just lie down for the next three weeks because the retrograde season is trying to kill me. Um, that choosing humility really is the answer because we're often, I think, when it comes to spirituality and our really our, our severe misunderstandings of what helping spirits are, what they're here to do, what they're here to help us with, we often are blaming them for trying to help us not realizing that the path to helping us means looking at and resolving some really painful shit. That's right. That's right. We've got to go through, we're going to take the steps. It takes, you know, as much as we wish that we could just sort of levitate over the obstacle course of life and reach the finish line and have the, the feast and be showered with accolades and flowers, you know, that's just not uh, not the way it goes. What is your speaking of relationships and love and pleasure? Um, it, it, it's especially being someone who you know. I think it, I can say for at least for myself, being someone who's growing up in the West, grew up with a conversation of the sacred that is I have found more and more to be not only false but deeply, deeply harmful. Um, and I'm constantly in this process of reassessing my relationship with the sacred and, like, what am I projecting onto my helping spirit that isn't true but is actually just stuff I'm dealing with from mom and dad, just stuff I'm dealing with from my first boyfriend, mm. stuff I'm dealing with from my first – you know, I think that that's also a part of the conversation. What are some of the – for you, Paige, like, can you see a point in your 
relationship with your helping spirits where that conversation, you had to sort of like take a step back and reassess that conversation? Oh, absolutely. For me, that conversation is around the idea of authority. You know, growing up in the West with this idea of spirituality, of God, of this, of the church, of this idea of spiritual authority that you either have to rebel against it by making your own choices for your own reasons, be damned with the spirits, saying them blindly no matter what because they know what's best for you, or wrestling with the idea that they're trying to control you, that, that there's this, um, how do you say, it's clearly bringing up all this stuff. I can feel this blood of like, run away. (laughs) It's clearly an ongoing conversation, but, but finding that balance between self authority and, and being part of something bigger that is the great cosmic, you know, oneness. And that just because there's something beyond your individual self does not mean you are less than that, that you are, subjugate to it that it there's this this big big conversation here for me around authority and especially in the west this very toxic idea of spiritual authority of you must do what i the agent of god says to do or what god wrote down in this particular passage what not to do and what to do and that there's this one right or wrong way and that if you're not towing the line you're in trouble forever and ever there's, there's a, an enormous wounding conversation we need collectively as a whole to have as well as personally, individually for myself that needs to be happening that, that I think is happening, but we can only continue to do better and open up those lines of dialogue about what that, what that really means. And I know that's something you've been thinking about a lot too, especially in terms of helping spirits. You know, at what point do I blindly trust you and listen to what you're telling me? How deeply do I question this? How, you know, trusting your own instincts versus the messages you're receiving from helping spirits, it's a tricky line sometimes. We don't always see clearly exactly the way forward, and life can be a swamp sometimes, you know? It really can, and one of the issues I think we struggle with, too, as you said, authority, is we experience so much obtuse abuse of power in our world. Mm. So the idea of there being powerful forces, ourselves included, that Mm. are not Mm. intentionally abusive can be very, very um, weird to even process because we're like, what are your intentions? You know, we're trying to defend ourselves and our wounded inner children from further abuse. Um, So we don't really have a context for helping spirits who are here to help us bring our medicine into the world and are amoral. And, you know, when you say authority, that's definitely, you know, a part of the process for me. The first word that comes to mind for me, because when we're talking about relationships with helping spirits, we're also talking about relationships. I don't believe there's anything in our lives that shows up in just one area of our lives. I think if there's something showing up in an area of our lives, we can be hella sure that it's showing us somewhere else in our lives as well. Mm-hmm. And the first word that comes up for me actually is judgment. This fear of judgment and this expectation of judgment and this belief that I've been, you know, working to dismantle that judgment is just a part of the process. And um, 
you can do all of these things to try and avoid judgment. One of those things that we do to try to avoid judgment, of course, is lying to ourselves. Not just lying to ourselves about who we are and what we're doing, but lying to ourselves that we deserve judgment. And um, I've seen, I've absolutely seen other places in my life in other relationships where I projected that fear of judgment and that trying around judgment conversation where it's like, whoa, you know, judgment isn't even on the table. Like, why is this your MO? Why is this? And it's like, well, you know, that's, that's, that's the stuff. And that's really, you know, is that kind of returning to our, our sort of root false beliefs, our root wounds that these retrograde mm. do. Um, so a lot of people, you know, they're, they're trying to find ways of working through these retrograde seasons. There's absolutely self-work, being honest about what's showing up, the patterns that are showing up, journaling. Jur- writing is a great way of processing stuff that comes up. Um, i got to give a shout-out to my girl, Kosai Conjure. Please find her on Facebook. Find her on Instagram because some people also choose to take a magical route when it comes to retrogrades, and i got to give the biggest shout-out for the magical route of retrograde handling to Coastside Conjure. Coastside Conjure creates a mercury retrograde oil that is just phenomenal. It's mm-hmm. just um, there is the element of mercury retrograde that is communication issues and tech issues showing up that seem like sometimes you know, insurmountable. Of course, those, I think, you know, can be seen as patterns that are showing up to, to be resolved. But there's an element of like, okay, but what about ease? Can there be some ease? Can I not have all the monkeys throwing all the feces in my face all at once? You know, maybe just one monkey, <laughs> just a small pile of feces instead. And this oil, this mercury, <laughs> retrograde oil, is just really, really great because you can use I and, and Paige actually the um, – at the start of every Mercury retrograde season, we anoint all our electronics with it. We anoint ourselves. Um, if we you're in the Conjure tradition, in let's be real. <laughs> we, 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 we technically bathe in it also because it smells so freaking good. And so, what this oh, woman. Good. And I, I think there's, there's parts. It. It's just fantastic. For me, using things like this this mercury retrograde oil during a retrograde is, is akin to, you know, I grew up in New England where hurricanes are just a thing that happen constantly. Nor'easters are a thing that happen constantly. And so you know it's coming. You know the retrograde is coming. You know the hurricane is coming. Why wouldn't you batten down the hatches? You know, make sure all the windows are closed. Make sure everything loose is tied down. Bring in your tools and toys from the yard. You know, take the necessary precautions. Crack up, you know, plug up the cracks in the doors and the windows. Make sure that you're not left with a soaking wet mess inside your guest bedroom because you carelessly left the window open. It's just take these basic steps to ensure that you are free to do that kind of inside the hurricane work. You're safe in your warm house. You're free to knit by candlelight or whatever rubs your boat. And uh, so you don't have to worry about these little loose ends flapping all around, just taking basic care to set yourself up for success, doing the work that is best served to do during this time period. 
Yeah, and 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 for us, one of our primary, you know, like, quote unquote, like safety measures is to bathe practically in this oil because <laughs> it smells so freaking good, and um, and it's it's just fantastic for helping to kind of create some ease and lessen the blow of um, whatever mercury retrograde's got in store. So if you come from the conjure tradition. Um, then, you know, you would know how to work with this oil. You know, you can anoint yourself, anoint electronics. You can set lights with it. You know, use it to anoint lights for yourself or others. I always like to set at least one light for myself and my household, just so that, you know, communication and tech stuff is eased. Um, Gregory White of, I believe, um, White Mojo, he runs a um, store down south um, that I'll, I'll put the information before the show is over. He actually just released a book, on hoodoo oils and their use, conjure oils and their use in hoodoo and prayer. Um, that's, a, I'm sure, going to be a great book. Gregory White, um, a great book on the use of conjure oils if the idea of use of conjure oil and conditioner oil is new to you. But these are some great ideas as well. You can find Coastside Conjure's um, famous, freaking famous, mercury retrograde oil. Um, online at Dr. E Products at ConjureDoctor.com. Find her on Instagram as well. There are a few different sellers that have it. You want this oil because it smells amazing. It is amazing. And he's great also for use outside of Mercury Retrograde. It's great for easing communication issues and tension uh, when it comes to communication and all kinds of things, especially in relationships, um, business relationships, love relationships, etc. It is great for, you know, all year round use. Um, we've got writing, we've got self processing, self healing, we've got mercury retrograde oil from Tosite Conjure available at conjuredoctor.com. Any other ideas for people for this mercury retrograde? Well, not just from the, for this retrograde season, people are batting down the hatches. People are going crazy. People are posting some really nihilistic memes. Um, it's getting kind of, you know, people, what else do people need to do? Help us, Paige. What else do people need to do? <laughs> I mean, the best thing that I can recommend is very practical is to really turn a critical, cautious eye to what you are feeding yourself, not, not only physically, literally, but digitally very much so, um, asking yourself the right relationship you're having. I know I have caught myself several times in this retrograde, doing the endless, mindless scroll on social media. And now is better than ever a time to really stop and take a look at those habits and say, am I doing this the first thing when I wake up? Am I doing this right before I go to sleep? How many times throughout the day do I mindlessly scroll and just sort of soak up all of this content, this unfiltered, potentially, you know, potentially, not so good for us right now content. Uh, really cleaning up those relationships and asking ourselves where we're stuck in these patterns, where we might be able to kind of tighten those boundaries. Really just having this sort of cautious, thoughtful eye to our own behaviors and watching out for the effects that that has on us. That was a good time to maybe take a little, little bit of a hiatus or, or simply to scroll mindfully and to be thinking about what you are digesting as you're digesting it. You know, sometimes it's hard to completely cut out a habit uh, during this time, or really during any time, 
cutting habits can be hard. So beginning by bringing that mindful eye to things. This Mercury retrograde is in Taurus and will move back into Aries shortly. And uh, so this is a good time to look at the places where we've gotten too comfortable and are really almost kind of, if we're being honest, wallowing in our own filth a little bit and the filth of those around us, where we have accepted filthiness, unhealthy filthiness into our lives. There's there's such things as a healthy filth, a little bit of dash of healthy filth in our lives, but depending on your preferences. But uh, uh, really looking at these ruts we maybe have found ourselves in and, and taking that critical eye, a loving critical eye, maybe thinking about that judgment word, withholding some judgment from ourselves, but asking ourselves the questions about, what needs to change? What do we need to move on? And, and if what we need right now during these retrogrades to stay sane is to unplug a little bit from social media or from certain relationships or situations, then give yourself permission to take that time and space. You know, be a little ruthless at times. If you need to be, if it's for your health, do what you got to do to refuel and reconsider where you're at right now. I love that little, like, permission for a dash of filth. It's so true, though. Again, just a little dash. Just like a, a little dash of filth. I ain't hurting nobody, you know. Just a little vice here and there. You know, it's, 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 currently, it's currently Holy Week um, for those who are coming from a Christian, Catholic context. You know, our week began with um, Passover for um, and is ending with Easter, I believe. And... During this Holy Week where, where Lent is coming to an end, um, for Vodou Sans, uh, people who are practitioners of Haitian Vodou, like myself, um, my uh, Loa have been covered because they are they all go back to, you know, another place while uh, to refresh themselves, and we try not to work with them during this time period. Um, but on that dash of filth um, <laughs> tip, uh, another... Uh, helping through it in my life is kind of uh, active during this time. Um, and that's San Simon Mashimon of the Guatemalan context. And it is uh, because he is syncretized in the Catholic, in the folk Catholic conversation with Judas Iscariot, um, then because of its Holy Week, he is said to sort of like, you know, have like extra power during this time in certain areas of Guatemala his effigy, which is often human size, uh, the clothing will be removed from his effigy and washed. And the bath water from washing his clothing is then used to cleanse businesses, um, to bring in uh, luck and prosperity. Um, and he is the patron saint of that dash of filth, and frankly, filth in all quantities. Um, he is uh, the patron <laughs> saint of of, of vice and drunkenness, not only um, a patron saint thereof, but also being well known for helping remove um, bad habits and temptations in those ways as well. So just shout-outs to him. And on that other shout-out I said before, the book I mentioned is actually called The Use of Magical Oils in Hoodoo Prayer and Spell, spell Work. It's by Gregory White, currently available on uh, Amazon.com and at White Mojo. Um, and PonderShop.com, Gregory White is the um, proprietor of Papa G's White Mojo, located in Nashville, Tennessee. 
And he, yeah, he just wrote this great book. I'm sure it looks beautiful, and I know this guy knows what he's doing. Um, so if you are new to the conversation of condition and conjure oils, um, hop on that because I know it's an excellent resource. And before we forget, we must again tell people, um, especially on the topic of love and pleasure, that the Hoodoo Heritage Festival is coming up in May, May 13th and 14th. Um, in Forestville, California, at Lucky Mojo Curio Company, run by the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church and Miss Robin, May 13th and May 14th, 2017, you want to be there at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. These are hands-on, a weekend of hands-on conjure training workshops with uh, none other than the um, incredibly uh, knowledgeable and generous uh, Catherine Ironwood and Nagashiva Ironwood, a host of teachers from across magical traditions, but who are all grounded in African-American folk magic and conjure from the American South. Storm Fairy Wolf will be there, Candelo Kimbisa of Candelo's Corner, another show on the LNC Radio Network. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm not teaching, but I will be performing geomancy readings. Beverly Smith, Madame Pamita, John St. Germain, uh, Madame Nadja and Jayad uh, Dania of um, Fit and Foxy show, which comes on just later on tonight. They'll be there. They'll be teaching Fit and Foxy, the magic of attraction. Um, Chaz Bogan will be teaching on Ouija. Of course, uh, a close and beloved friend of mine, Charles Professor Charles Porterfield of the Now You Know Show will be there, or of Forest, Miss Ida. I'm literally just going down. It's crazy. It's like I'm literally looking at this list of, like, these are my best friends. These are the people I want to be in heaven with. Um, you want to be there because mm-hmm. it's Amen. like the – because you've been there before, Paige, and isn't it like – it's like this, I always say it's the church picnic that you didn't even know you went to that church. It is. It's literally my favorite event of the year. I am devastated that I won't be there this year unless a last-minute miracle flies me out to California. It is such a delightful weekend, jam-packed with knowledge, experience, events, good food, beautiful land. It just, it just, it, I can't speak. I, 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 gotta, I dance it out. I have to dance my feelings about it because they're so good. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Susan Diamond's going to be there. She's teaching the potent power of the pendulum, and I have not yet met Coe Meadows, but I've heard such great information about Coe Meadows. She's teaching a class on loaded soaps. Um, if you have not been to the – and even if you have been, you want to go again. You want to go. You can sign up at missionaryindependent.org. You want to be there at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Um, again, it's like the church pick. You didn't even know you went to the church, but you're glad you found it. Um, from there, I think another great um, thing to do during retrograde season, and this might this is kind of a bit on that dash of vice pit, is it's it's kind of cool to regress a bit. Like make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Make yourself the, that come that childhood comfort food and watch those childhood comforting um, videos yes. and listen to the songs that yes. really sort of speak to that inner child sweetness inside of you, because, boo, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring up a good point with the, the permission to regress a little bit. The card that I pulled sort of for this general retrograde period was temperance. And for me, temperance is often about retesting boundaries. And sometimes we have to test boundaries by pushing past them a little bit and saying, okay, am I in right relationship with this vice of mine? 
And, and so often during retrogrades, we will find ourselves getting a little bit deeper into that vice of a habit that we have, maybe smoking a little more, maybe drinking a little more, maybe going, staying out a little bit later, staying up a little later, doing these things and, and pushing those boundaries. And if that is to you and you find yourself in that place, I beg you to reserve judgment on yourself and rather take uh, an informed, critical eye, critical in the sense of clear seeing and understanding and asking yourself the questions about right relationship, about about in what proportion do you want to be in relation to this particular vice, this behavior, this, this comfort area of your life. Everything you know, in moderation, father, as my father says, everything in moderation, including moderation itself. I have to remember that all the time. Everything in moderation, including moderation itself. Lord knows, had that second bowl of ice cream during this time period. And the thing also about the process is while we're working on ourselves is that you know, this is some long haul ass shit. And the process of working on yourself, it's like, well, this is going to continue for forever. Uh, as long as you're allowed, you're going to be working on yourself. And sometimes you got to um, add some sweetness to the bowl, whether that's a second bowl of ice cream or, as I discovered, um, I remember there was a few weeks ago where I was just like, damn, I'm tired, tired of all the work I'm doing myself and it just feels like this endless thing. And, and I realized that I was waiting for, I was hoping that the, that the um, endless work on myself would be, would lead me to a pleasurable place, a place, a very Shangri-La place, not realizing that, oh, shoot, it's my job to add the sweetness along the way so that I can keep up my stamina. You know, if I want the momentum to continue, I can't just wait for the sugar at the end of the road. I can't just wait for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I need to start mm-hmm. adding some sweetness and laughter along the way. Oh, I'm going to get burned out. So what I did was I did, uh, I, I, as a root doctor, I am always learning more about conditions in the hoodoo tradition, and conditions are often experienced through magical application of conditioned oils, powders, incenses, baths, etc. And the question is, when does my or my client's um, situation invite or require me to look in the direction of this condition, or merely the botanicals that are often used in that uh, condition? And it was really, frankly, at this time, I really understood the power of sweetening and sweetening baths. You know, we don't, in the hoodoo tradition, emphasize too much sweetening baths and cooling baths. Um, those are sort of the ideas that come more out of African diaspora traditions like Santeria Lukumi and Haitian Vodou. Ho, um, hoodoo is often concerned with um, uncrossing and cleansing, protection and blessing. But sometimes the work, what we're working through might be a long-term uncrossing process, a long-term process or a chronic condition that's going to need some deep work and help. And along the way, you're going to need to cool your anger and stay in balance, you know, keep your head cool so you might be wearing white. You might be working with cascaria, uh, which is sort of ground-up eggshells. You might need to sweeten the pot a bit. You might need to little Take a sweetening bath, taking some honey, adding it to a pot of water, possibly with some roses, um, and just you know pouring that over yourself as a bath can literally put you on cloud mother effing nine. 
um, and provide so much saccharine sweetness, getting some of that glucose back in the veins so that you can continue the fight again, you know, the next day and get a little perspective. Um, that idea of sort of looking up toward the sky because you're so mired in the stuff, that's kind of how retrogrades can feel. Consider a cooling bath. Consider a sweetening bath. Consider um, regressing a little bit. Consider some journaling, all of these things, and definitely, absolutely consider some Sesame Street.
His show starts at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and lasts for one hour. Next is In the Streets with Beverly Smith. Beverly provides up-to-the-minute reports on civil and social rights issues. Her one-hour show airs on Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Tune in Wednesday nights for New Thought, Glamour Magic, and Fitness Coaching on Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaye Danya. Fit and Foxy is a magical lifestyle show that motivates spiritually, emotionally, and physically aimed at empowering you to become your most magnificent self. You can hear Fit and Foxy from 6 to 7 p.m. Wednesdays. On Thursdays, it's The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield. In a variety show laced with country wit and biblical wisdom, the professor shares his knowledge of roots, delivers the lucky numbers, explores the secrets of scriptural sorcery. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time, there's no end to the surprises. Join professional witches Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay on Friday nights as they discuss witchcraft and paganism in all its forms, share personal stories, traditional history, and describe modern controversies. From 6 to 7, tune in and learn about magic, spellcrafting, and goddess worship on The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron. And on Saturday nights, come out and join Liquid Libations. Andrea Weston hosts this informal sharing and showcasing of poetry, short stories, and spoken word performances contributed by novices and professional wordsmiths alike. Call in and read your work. Liquid Libations may be heard on Saturday nights from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. All shows on the LMC Radio Network are sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, located in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Add three hours for Eastern. Tax and license may apply. Train departure times and Burma shave signs, subject to change without notice. LMC. The Lucky Mojo Curio Company is based in sunny Forestville, California, and provides traditional spiritual products for remediating all kinds of conditions. Locate them online at luckymojo.com or visit them in person to see the world's smallest church, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. And the song we heard before our sponsor's message was Ladysmith Black Mombazo singing the alphabet with Kermit the Frog. Is that not so cool? Oh, my God. Everyone was sitting here dancing in my seat in love with that song and the beauty of, of the vision that was created. I, I, I'm always talking about Sesame Street because I think that it is one of the most beautiful creations in our world that, in terms of a vision that, you know, um, if you read about the history of Sesame Street, Sesame Street, now I've talked about this already, but there had never been a collaboration between children's media producers, television producers, and child psychologists. And they thought, mm-hmm. you know, let's come together and see what we can make for our children, which, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think what I just said might be a quote attributable to um, Grandfather Sitting Bull, let us come together and mm. see what future we might make for our children. But that's what they did. That's literally what they did. And here we have these decades of nourishing, hilarious, um, educational public programming that our current administration wants to take away. 
Mm-hmm. I'd like to point out that they are still doing it, that I've been hearing so many beautiful things about the new Sesame Street character, I believe her name is Julia, who has autism. And the very frank way that they're approaching this topic, as they've approached many topics on Sesame Street in the past, from breastfeeding and beyond, having Big Bird engage with this new character and wondering, oh, I don't, I don't know if she, she likes me. You know, she's, she's not acting like, like she likes me. And having, having that explained, oh, well, it's not that she's shy, it's that she has autism and these are, this is what you need to know and how we can engage and how we can play together. And it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I, I have to dance. I have to dance it out. So many big feelings. And <laughs> if you want a, a dose of inspirational, uplifting message about exactly why programming like this is so important, I really encourage you to go listen to Mr. Rogers' speech on PBS that he gave to Congress way back. At the very, he's quite young uh, at this time, in the beginning of his career, and it's one of the most moving five minutes uh, I've, ever, I've ever heard in my life. Wait, is this way back when he had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match? <laughs> Sorry, we we do a lot of quoting of we also it's speaking of things we love. We love Biggie, we love Notorious B.I.G. and we are often quoting Notorious B.I.G. in our house. I would love to see Mr. Rogers with a red and black lumberjack <laughs> match. Um, but really, though, like, it's also, I mean, it's hard. I, I posted on Facebook yesterday. I was saying, what is it, you know, so hard for us to focus on? I wasn't, you know, making fun of my own internet voice. But as I posted, I said, why is it so hard for us to focus on what we really love? So we just, you know, we love to focus on what we dislike. But even now, I'm finding myself getting pulled into that anger conversation because, you know, this administration, while getting, you know, wanting to cut the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts, National Endowment for Humanities, and the and PBS um, cut federal funding for them, for the Easter egg rule that happens on the White House lawn is calling on PBS Muppet characters to be there. So, I mean... Again, I'm, I'm trying to not get – we know. We know that the hypocrisy is astounding. Um, and the um, blindness is out of this world. But we – it is possible, I think, to bring our attention back to and maintain a focus on that which we love. And I'm going to say I love the National Endowment for the Arts. I love yes, mm. I love the National Endowment for Humanities, and frankly, I don't think I think and I think that these are institutions that we completely take for granted in our in America. Absolutely. I was just reading yesterday how in the 1960s, um, you know, these are institutions that came right out of you know the New Deal. Uh, like right after, you know, sort of that New Deal social welfare, you know, all the federal funding that was being poured into social welfare programming, and um, which is why we have such great archives from the, you know, 30s and 40s. Um, 
regarding American history and some infrastructure happened during that time too. And that these would, I was reading um, about how these institutions probably also would not have happened, the NEA especially, had there not been uh, the assassination of JFK because that caused such a level of public mourning that there needed to be, you know, it sort of opened, you know, the administration's eye and the government's eyes to, okay, um, we, you know, things like public mourning need a public outlet. Need a, you know, we need a container to hold and to speak to our collective experience. So up till, you know, the founding of the NEA and the NEH, um, you had these sort of few small public museums and, you know, some private museums, but our experience in our culture of our culture on such a wide scale was so limited. So it's so easy for us to take for granted for those of us who have only been around for the past 30, 40 years, these institutions and these organizations that have been such a cornerstone of our lives. And we need to be giving back. We need to be paying attention to the abuses of power that are currently happening that want to take such good stuff like, you know, like the song we just heard, oh, out of our mouths and out of our lives and out of the lives of our children. Um, these organizations are organizations that already don't have the level of funding that they should have and could have. And, um, you know, we spent all this energy, you know, collectively binding Trump, you know, for those of us who were involved in, in that process. And I sort of brought up the idea of, like, what if we all collectively, like, did work to protect and bless and uplift these social welfare organizations. You know, one of the things that um, one of Trump's cabinet people or staffers said was, uh, he said, how can I, how, the administration looked and said, how can we continue to ask a coal miner or a single mom in Detroit to pay for PBS and, and these other organizations? Obviously we can't. And I immediately thought to myself, um, can you please do a survey of single moms in Detroit? Because they probably have depended on Sesame Street so, you know, for, for years to, you know, for the education of their children and the uplifting of their children. You know, children are glued to the television. Mom gets to take a, you know, short break and, you know, take care of herself and, you know, regroup, take her sweetening bath. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I don't know if I'm going to get on a let's, you know, Let's create a meme to collectively bless these, but maybe I will. But at the very least, consider it. Consider, you know, holding these these institutions and organizations, keeping them in your prayers, you know? Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that focusing our energy on the protection and blessing of these extremely vital institutions that, you're right, we do often take for granted, is, I think, a, a very wise and necessary use of our energy rather than directing them in anger from a reactionary place towards binding and, you know, focusing that energy on the target of our anger, maybe that energy could be better used in these, in these blessing protecting ways. And I love, I love the idea of a blessing meme of using the power of the viral for this purpose. Yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll work on that. Maybe that's a, 
this is in our hearts. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's something we'll try to yeah. try to make happen this week. Speaking of social welfare network, you know these things, these visions that people have poured energy and love into because it's been millions of people um, getting jobs, being able to pour their artistic and creative gifts into um, their work that these organizations have offered. Um, you know, these things don't just come out of nowhere. The government isn't a person that just does something for us. It's people having a vision. And, you know, organizations like the NEA uh, provide grants uh, and fellowships to people so that they can live their vision, especially in a world where we focus so much on technology and the sciences and these specializations and people are having visions around the arts and humanities and things that would be of great benefit to our culture and our children and ourselves, but might not get funding from um, sort of institutional sources. You know, they need to, you know, they need to just do this travel and write this book. They just need to join up and collaborate with these other people and make this thing like Sesame Street happen. Um, it's always about people and vision. And one of the um, special deceased guests we have tonight is someone also who had a vision, and we're going to hear from him right now. Isn't it time we began to appreciate that it is one of Mother Nature's great gifts to us to be different? I have always felt it was a great gift to be gay. If we truly intend to break and dissipate the conspiracy of silence with which we have been surrounded and in which we have been drowning, I suggest we are going to have to invent new ways, for one thing, to neutralize our compulsion for hetero-middle-class drag. More of us shall have to become visible and some of us are going to have to become more visible. Like me, for instance. So also on this lovely 20th anniversary day, my gay and lesbian family, my beloved family of concert choice, let me in my radical fairy Zuni style skirt variation number two. Let me be your sacred clown to bring to you the all heel of laughter, the blessings of my irrepressible giggle, and the all heel of my love to you all.
um, alive during the late 19th century, early 20th century, um, who there's a book on Wewa called The Zuni Man Woman. I'm sure that we will address Wewa uh, and invite some um, Wewa medicine onto the show in a more full way later. But that uh, I, when I heard that from Harry Hay, I knew that was a direct um, a direct reference to Wewa, of the, who was a Zuni Lamana, two-spirit individual, of, um, I think that was a direct reference to them, to her. Um, so, yeah, happy birthday to Harry Hay, um, who is a, I think we would call Ancestor of Humanity, Paige? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I know One that in his, in, his, uh, in his natal chart, he had Uranus in Aquarius. Uranus being one of the ruling planets of Aquarius. This is a dominant planet for him. And, and Aquarius, both Aquarius and Uranus being energies of great visionary power. So he really had this, this beautiful vision for humanity paired with his natal Mercury retrograde in Aries, this ability to lead perhaps against his will at times, this natural inclination to lead due to his beautiful vision humanity visionary power what, what, what was that aspect again because I love that I kind of want to like I kind of want to um, like research that and see like who else has that because I'm always so interested in visionary power mm-hmm. he had uh, the planet Uranus in the zodiac sign of Aquarius and he also had Mercury retrograde in his natal chart Wow. Wow. And I think it's worth noting. I was going to say, I think it's worth noting that the other visionary planet, Neptune, he had in Cancer the sign of the caretaker, and that his envision was very much for his community, for care of his community. Yeah, and you know, Harry Hayes is an interesting person now because um, being myself, 30 on the verge of 31 and having spent a lot of time in um, social, queer social justice activist circles, Harry Hay does not get a lot of praise in these spaces. Oftentimes, Harry Hay, um, there, you know, people are frustrated about his uh, exclusion of, you know, trans individuals as trans individuals were so, so vital I mean, not even vital. Mm. I mean, it was a, a, a black trans woman who threw the first brick at Stonewall. So it has been an ongoing, painful, frustrating conversation regarding the exclusion of trans people from the LGB quote unquote T rights conversation while trans people's blood has been on the lines and creating the, you know, opening the way for, um, for queer rights in general. And, mm-hmm. you know, also radical fairy spaces often for their, um, whether or not they, you know, it's an intentional, their exclusion of um, people of color, um, men of color, you know, sort of the same things that we see, op- the same kinds of exclusions and uh, oppressions that we see operating in the larger society continuing to operate in these subculture, sub-subculture groups. But I'm always... A big promoter. We have, we have to give credit where credit is due, where credit is due, you know. 
And the amount of courage that this man had in his life to do this work and to create these spaces, um, you know, the way a vision begins is not the way a vision is necessarily supposed to end. Mm. Oh, how true. There's an element of vision in which it's a kind of like a relay race. It's like, you know, and someone passes on and, you know, we've got to pick up the torch and keep running to ensure greater diversity, to ensure greater inclusion. And it's not to say we look back and say this person was a saint, this person lived a perfect life, um, but we absolutely do need to cherish and be grateful for the courage that was um, shown in that lifetime. And, and following that clip from Harry Hay, again, was the song Away Away from Moana, which Oh, we don't even have enough time an episode to go into, but there is so much to discuss because that is yet another animated <laughs> media that is much loved and much discussed in our household um, for the medicine that it is in our life. Um, but we are so grateful for you, uh, for you, our listeners, those of you who are joining us live, those of you who are going to join us in uh, the near future, those of you who are going to listen to this recording and join us next um the next time we gather, which will be in two weeks from today, which will be April uh, 26th, Wednesday, April 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific. We are so grateful for you joining us, whether it is now, in the past, in the future. Um, and let us know. Drop us a line on our Facebook group about your thoughts about today's uh, broadcast, some questions you have, some thoughts you have. Uh, anything you want to share with fellow listeners, we are excited to hear from you. Um, you know, this has been another episode of On Sacred Ground with your co-host, Kai Armand. And Paige the Fair You. Tune in uh, in two weeks as we continue to go deep into the heart of the human experience. Until then, keep a light in your window for courage in our time. We'll be keeping a light for you in ours. Have a great night.